even though you have particular skill sets and even though you, you work with your team, all you guys are still learning from each other. Welcome to Steamcast, where STEM and the arts collide. I'm your host, Dan Kostelik, and together we're going to have conversations with the brightest lights at rising stars in the fields of science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math. Exploring the world that we live in, the science that makes it all possible, and the art that makes it interesting. This is episode 16, and I know I promised last week that this week we were going to continue our Michio Kaku prediction series with Nathan McDonald, and we will, but that'll be next week. This week, we're having a conversation with Evan Drozd. Evan is an associate research scientist with Andrew Computational Solutions, LLC, in Rome, New York, specializing in medical devices and neuroscience. Evan is also the first past Project Fibonacci STEAM scholar to join us on this program. So we're going to see how attending the annual STEAM Leadership Conference influences thinking and how he combines an arts background with a scientific career. You've had a really interesting path to get to where you are because um, well, tell, tell me about your bachelor's degree to start off with. Well, I just got my bachelor's in the biological sciences with a pre-med focus, um, and my main focus is in neuroscience, neurobiology. And before that, you were interested in film. Correct. Yeah, that's I actually, the shortest answer. <laughs> Correct, yes. I actually started out my first semester at Lemoyne College as a communications and film major. Um, I've been interested in it since, but I found that I was more interested in the science field, particularly in medicine. Okay, and now, why is that? Something about me has always been heavily interested in trying to apply my hands to help people directly, and part of my passion comes from not only personal experience, but from seeing others who need physical help. So, an interesting story, um, if I may, is... I'm a pretty active guy. You know, I, I lift, I run, I do karate. Um, everything I do involves a lot of physical, strenuous activity. And one day I was in the gym back when I was about 16 years old, and I hurt my back pretty bad. I had a pretty scary experience where I had sciatica, um, and I didn't know if it was going to get better. I didn't know if it was going to um, ever be quite the same. So what happened was I started seeing a chiropractor. I said, if I can avoid surgery in any way possible to see if I can correct this before any other types of interventions are needed, uh, let's go that route. And so I've been seeing my chiropractor since, and he's been educating me about the importance of staying aligned, staying healthy, you know, how the brain and the spinal cord communicate with the rest of the body. and. During the time that he was teaching me these things, I gained more of an appreciation and more of an understanding and more of a passion for going into that field when I started college. So when I started college, I still was a communications and film major. My heart really set into going towards the more medical pursuit. And so what I decided to do was change my major, still do communications and film on the side, but go for a bachelor's in the biological sciences with a pre-med focus in neuroscience. So did you have an official minor? I did not, actually. Okay. Um, I just do communications and film, particularly filmmaking and, uh, and uh, movie editing on the side. Well, it's in some ways similar, especially in the editing side of things, because you know, you're splicing together um, images and sound to tell a story, and on the neuroscience, you're splicing together effectively uh, the human equivalent of monofilament <laughs> to <laughs> be able to put that all together so they can tell their own story. 
So they're not as dissimilar as one might initially think, but you certainly need uh, one side to go with the other. Would it be too presumptuous to say that a communication and art background going into a degree in the sciences has helped you think a little bit more outside the box? Actually, it's a great question. I do think that having a background in film production and communications skills has given me a benefit to thinking differently. So, for example, when I'm in school, um, I, feel, I feel that the communications background, particularly you know, putting films together, editing sounds and music and things, has actually allowed me to better synthesize material. And it's really interesting because even though, to some degree, communications and filmmaking isn't quite related to medical and anatomy and physiology, using the creative part of your brain seems to be able to translate from film to connecting body parts or connecting you know, the processes of the human body to other parts of cellular structures and things like that. So I, I do think that the communications and creativity part has definitely helped me to synthesize information in the medical field. And it certainly allows you to go in and communicate it to lay people as mm -hmm. well, to mm -hmm. talk about what you're doing, about what you're working on, without sounding too much in the weeds, without using too much industry jargon that just leaves people glossy Right, on. and that's a critical part, too, because a lot of people that I do talk to, some of which are in the medical field, but a lot of which aren't, and I have to be able to translate medical language to something that's much more simple but still gets the concept or the idea across in such a way that could benefit them and not make them feel like, you know, they're dumb. They're yeah, not. exactly, they, because the people you're talking to are usually pretty educated. It's right. just not in the field that you are an expert in. Exactly. So you are also an inventor. You are the primary patent holder of a medical device and a medical device that every time you've told me about this in the past, I can't help but think of Dr. Octopus, so Doc Ock <laughs> in Spider-Man. Tell us about this. Okay, so um, this is kind of an idea that I've, that I've conceived of for the past six years. Um, so and it's going just back to when you were... 16. 16 with, uh, um, with the uh, back issues. With the back issues, exactly. What really happened was, you know, around the same time that I hurt my back, actually this was before I hurt my back, this was in the summer prior to, I was talking to my dad one day because he and I were going out to a trip to what's called the National and Global Young Leaders Conferences. And that was a completely different story, but it was an educational conference um, that I was allowed to go to based on being nominated from RFA, uh, Rome Free Academy, my high school. On the way there, we were just kind of talking because even prior to the injury, I still had this passion for helping people, and I understood some of the you know, spinal anatomy and things like that. And it was really quite a primitive idea at the time. Uh, I was just saying, you know, what if we could design something that you know, could help with people, for people that have back injuries? You know? I mean, people know about standard vertebral stabilizers and, and things like that, you know, spinal fixators to, um, to treat people who break their back or you know like they need to stabilize the spine while it's in the healing process. So over the course of the last six years I've been kind of thinking about this you know on and off while I was in high school and while I got into college but it wasn't really until I got into college and was learning the medical background of things that really helped me to 
think of ideas and, and creative processes that would, would enable me to create this device. So in the last year, I've been working very hard on developing what I like to call a next generation vertebral stabilizer, something that allows for better motion preservation while also utilizing um, different components of new age technology, which include artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, softwares and tools. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take the existing uh, vertebral stabilizer, the ones that are static that once they've been implanted and the healing process has been completed in the spine, they have no more function. They, have, they just sit there for a while and they can pose problems in the future. So what I'm trying to do is trying to enable a better type of technology that will enable motion preservation while performing active and dynamic real-time care for the patient. So as they move, this device can move with them and it can assess the necessary amount of support and stability that that part of the spine needs while that patient's performing their activities so that way they don't have problems of recurrence in the future or they don't have a restricted motion because this device enables them to move fluidly. So with the um, artificial intelligence and the machine learning aspect of that, how will that make the genuine difference with their recovery time? So it's actually not quite with the recovery time. That's a different part of it. But okay. the demand, especially for patients, is for motion preservation. I've talked to a number of patients, and I have a couple of friends who have actually had these types of procedures done. And their primary complaint after surgery is, I quote one, I feel like I have a tractor trailer in my back. Okay. And what he's basically telling me is not only does he feel like he has this big bulky piece of equipment inside of him, he also can't bend forward the same way he could before his injury because you have this section of vertebrae that don't move anymore because you have two rods on each side. So the primary concern and the, the primary need for the patient is I want to have my motion back. And so that's where the AI component and the machine learning comes in that controls this device and assesses that mobility um, factor. Now, does this AI or machine learning, um, are they able to tap into... Um, using, using a sensor or an implant into the brain, are they able to tap into human thoughts? So like your neurological control says, I'm going to twist this way right now. Does it read that and uh, adjust accordingly? It's actually based on um, motion sensors in the device itself. Okay. Um, um, going on the machine learning and AI um, components of this, are there also four extra mechanical arms that you can control <laughs> and that are possibly uh, imbued with their own intelligence enough to potentially even turn you evil as the wearer so you go on a uh, life of super crime. I'm afraid that's classified. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that is, that is outstanding. But yeah, it's, a, it's quite a project in the making. Um, I've been working on it for the at least the past year now, really, really heavily since I've finished my my schooling uh, for the time being. But um, we've got another few years to go before it's really in the market, before it's really ready to go. So, is this your primary area of focus uh, that you're working on, or are you working on other projects as well? I have a, about three or four other projects lined up, but I'm waiting until this one starts to really kick off before I start anything else. Um, I'm also interested in, um, I'm doing research currently on uh, improving upon the pacemaker, the pacemaker battery, its function and everything. Um, and the passion from that comes from my mother, who does have a pacemaker. 
and she uh, she complains every now and then about how she uses a lot of battery power. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the more battery power you use in, say, a certain time period, like a month or a week, that power doesn't come back. You know, these batteries aren't rechargeable. They aren't. They can't be inductively, um, you know, recharged yet. And so I'm looking into how can we make that happen while keeping it safe for the rest of the functions of the pacemaker. Is there a um, way to potentially charge the battery through the human body's own electrical currents or through motion? It's an idea. Um, I have not looked into that particular area yet. Great idea, though. Um, what I've been what I've been kind of looking at right now is how we can use um, more or less what amounts to a small magnet in a safe way to generate an electrical current based on. So similar, so similar to how um, the Apple Watch charges. The Apple char- Watch charges through a magnet. Inductive wireless charging, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then I'm also looking at uh, how to improve upon uh, the use of hernia mes- meshes, um, experimenting with, or, um, or I should say researching with, organic types of compounds, dissolvable compounds in the body that can be used as a temporary uh, suture or... Um, connective tissue. And that's uh, a phenomenal area to work on because that's been a lot in the news. So the idea with that particular project is to uh, figure out, you know, what kind of compounds, what kinds of, um, you know, chemicals can be used safely with the body that will enable the body to accept that as its own part of its tissue. Sure, without being attacked. Exactly. And then as it dissolves, your tissue that heals over that becomes you, you know? So these are just projects that are in my head right now, kind of fostering, but they're, they're not really going to be um, in the making until the first spinal project kind of kicks off and, and, and becomes more or less successful. So I'm hoping that happens in the next few years. All right, and we're gonna pause right there to take a break to pay some bills. As you might know, the 4th Annual Project Fibonacci STEAM Leadership Conference is coming up from July 28th to August 3rd, a week-long annual event for students entering 10th grade in high school through their junior year in college or university. Focusing on immersive, hands-on, interdisciplinary, team-based, and project-based learning in the STEAM fields, science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math, Project Fibonacci STEAM scholars receive access to lectures and workshops taught by some of the brightest luminaries of the day who have included astrophysicist Dr. Brian Green, science communicator Alan Alda, astronauts Alan Bean, Chris Hadfield, and Jeanette Epps, entrepreneur Damon John, physicist Dr. Michi Okaku. And the 2019 speaker series includes aerospace engineers Robert Zubert and Dr. April Erickson, mathematician and former NFL player John Urschel, and science communicator Science Bob Plugbelter. STEAM scholars go on exclusive tours of top facilities, which have included the Air Force Research Lab, the Munson-Williams Proctor Art Institute, Worthington Industries Steel Rolling Manufacturing, Fort Stanwix National Historic Site, SUNY Polytechnic's Nanotech Facility, and the Masonic Medical Research Institute. Students are encouraged to find the common math that underlies all the disciplines to find common ground among them and to use arts and music to foster creativity in the sciences. For more information and to register, go to projectfibonacci.org. Scholarships are available. Sign up today. You have been involved in the Project Fibonacci STEAM conferences uh, since their inception in 2016 as a volunteer, as a STEAM scholar attending it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What have you gotten out of it as a STEAM scholar? 
Well, I mean, the first two years I was more or less a scholar. I was also volunteering at the same time. Um, but the scholar experience really taught me the importance of teamwork. Um, you know, I go to, I, I have to, I have to give this unfortunate example, but you know, when I go to college or when I talk to some friends or, or peers in school, uh, some of them still don't like to do teamwork. They don't like to, you know, they want to be a, a solo renegade, you know, type of business person or, or, or whatever have you. But you know, the thing that really showed me the importance of teamwork was Project Fibonacci, as well as the National Young Leaders Conferences. I'm carrying those types of skills and those communication skills that I learned at Fibonacci into the real world um, workplace. You know, I mean, it goes back to the spinal project I'm talking about. I work with six people in and outside of Andro with the, with the spinal project, and it's because I've learned that teamwork are, is, in, is of critical importance to making something successful. That goes for making a product, starting a business, or just simply getting together and trying to create ideas because you just can't do it alone. I, th I would say that teamwork is the is the main thing that I learned from Project Fibonacci over the past two, three years. That's outstanding. Now, for your own work where you're working on your medical devices and the teams that you work on at the company, but also back in school, what do you find is the ideal for you, because it's different for every person, um, balance between individual work and teamwork? Right, good question. So I think it really comes down to your skill set, right? So with me, let's, let's again, let's take the spinal project for an example. With me, my background is in anatomy and physiology, chemistry, biology, and a little bit of physics. But then when it comes to advanced physics or advanced calculations, that is up to a couple of my partners in project development, right? So I found that there's a really interesting balance between individual work and teamwork when it comes to your skill set. So for example, I'll be working on, on something, maybe um, an Excel file that will be used for de delivering to my partner to translate that data into the AI language or sure. the machine learning language. So I found that my skill sets lie in, okay, let me take care of this part of the Excel file. Let me give you all these parameters, these force values, these torques, you know, so that way you can take this and put it into a program because my area is not in programming. So then I work with my partner, he teaches me what he's doing, and then we communicate, you know, what can be done, what should be done, and things like that. So I think that individual work is good, but up to a point, and that point is when you realize you can't do any more without that other person. Yeah, I would say that the individual work is well in the areas where you are, let's call it the subject matter expert. Right, exactly. Um, this is the thing I'm really good at. No one else mess with me. If you have an idea, feel free to throw it at me, but mm -hmm. mostly just let me work. And mm -hmm. then at other points, you need to just take what you're doing, what I'm doing, blend them together. And then there's also a third part sometimes that neither of us is necessarily an expert, but together we have enough skill to make something amazing. Exactly. And actually I've learned I've learned about that as well during the last year of project development is, you know, there's things I've had to look up myself or consult with about my, with my partners about um, to see, you know, what can I do or what can you do to help get around whatever roadblock I'm in. 
I've encountered issues where none of my team members know exactly what to do with a particular situation or problem. And then we sit down and we think about it and we come up with one or two solutions that might work. And then one of us goes out and does that thing or maybe two of us goes out and does that thing and then we get it done. So it's it's really even even though you have particular skill sets and even though you you work with your team, all you guys are still learning from each other. And that's that's critical to know because if you're not realize if you don't realize that now it's going to be problematic and stressful for you in the future not to know that even though you know certain things and the other person knows something you don't you're still learning from each other so it's really to bring it back to the overall theme of the mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. steamcast making the arts and sciences collide it's really putting the team into steam Exactly. <laughs> Clever. T- yeah, that's true. A, yeah. Take a little bit of everything. In STEAM, you're taking the science, the technology, the engineering, the arts, and music, and mathematics, blending them all together. For a teamwork, you're taking your various elements and see who has the strengths, where are the weaknesses, where can we learn from each other, blend it all together. So exactly. It all works, and, and it's beautiful. That's it for this week's episode of Steamcast. My thanks go out to our guest, Evan Droz, Associate Research Scientist at Andrew Computational Solutions, for joining us today. Remember, he is a Steam Scholar alum from two Project Fibonacci Steam Leadership Conferences. If you'd like to learn more, go to projectfibonacci.org. Next week, we're going to be picking up our conversation with Nathan McDonald on the musings of Michio Kaku in the Kakuverse. Steamcast is a production of the Project Fibonacci Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization whose mission is to introduce our youth to a culture of interdisciplinary STEAM learning, teaching them to become creative, independent leaders of community resurgence. Make sure your brilliant young people are registered for the fourth annual STEAM Leadership Conference, July 28th to August 3rd, by going to projectfibonacci.org or emailing us at info at projectfibonacci.org. And if you'd like to help us pay the bills, keep the lights on, and assist with scholarships for deserving students to attend the conference, you can click on the Donate button on our Facebook page. Steamcast was written, produced, and hosted by me, Dan Kostelik. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Kostelik. Technical support is by Andrew Berger. The music in the show is by The Live and Breathe from the album Reet. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you listen to music. Please subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to fine podcasts like this one. And also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Facebook, we can be found at facebook.com slash Project Fibonacci. And on Twitter, we're at ProFibonacci. That's P-R-O-F-I-B-O-N-A-C-C-I. Thanks for listening. Keep moving forward. Full steam ahead.